Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast. This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by these great sponsors. Axon started out of a passion for keeping agriculture moving. Imagine having 100 years of tire and wheel knowledge in your back pocket the next time you sell a piece of ag equipment. To find more or become an Axon dealer, please visit axontire.com. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 for all your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. No matter how you buy your ag equipment, whether it's from a dealer, an auction, or a private party, AgDirect can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. TractorZoom has access to over $20 billion in heavy equipment sales data. TractorZoom's Iron Comps is the industry's trusted solution for transparent equipment values and auctionable pricing insights. This podcast is brought to you by Anvil AppWorks. The Dealer Connect CRMI app with integrated inventory management is an affordable Salesforce-based solution for your dealership. Create connected customer experience and transform how you work. Moving higher in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving higher time and time again. Through the years you'll find us here. Moving higher. Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast. Markets with Sean Hackett. This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by Axon Tire, helping dealers move more iron for the past 100 years. More information, go to axontire.com. If you'd like to get a uh, free Axon travel notepad, send an email to marketing at axontire.com and they will send one to you in the mail. Just give them your details there at marketingaxontire.com. Tell them Moving Iron Podcast sent you and they will send one to you ASAP. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800. 800- 657-4910 for your trucking needs at Valley Transportation. Our goal is to help you reach yours. No matter how you buy your ag equipment, whether it's from a dealer, an auction, or a private party, AgDirect can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. Valley or TractorZoom has over $20 billion in heavy equipment sales data. TractorZoom's Iron Comps is trusted industry's trusted solution for transparent equipment values and auctionable pricing insights. This podcast is also brought to you by Anvil AppWorks, their Dealer Connect CRMI app with integrated inventory management is an affordable Salesforce-based solution for your dealership. Create connected customer experience and transform you how you work. Sean is with Hackett Financial out of Boca Raton, Florida, and he is nice enough to come on and talk about what's happening in the market. So, Sean, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing good from uh, Little Rock, Arkansas. So. Right next to Big Rock. <laughs> the Clintons, uh, the, Clinton hey. say, the, the, the Clinton say hi. <laughs> yes, they do. <laughs> yes, they do. Uh, Sean, there's a uh, down there giving one of your one of your speeches. Going to talk a little bit about what's happening in the weather and your and your forecast and those kind of things. Yep, yep. Uh, another uh, another speaker engagement in front of the uh, Ag uh, Arkansas Ag Bankers Association and. Um, so yeah, looking forward to that, and, uh, and I'll be doing that a little bit later on this afternoon, and then I finally head home for a little while. So well, that's good. So speaking of home, you have a hurricane that is uh, bearing down on the Gulf Coast side of, of Florida, more importantly Tampa, and 
as you look how it tracks up through the uh, Texas or the Texas panel, the, the Florida panhandle into Georgia, South Carolina, those kind of areas, you got some pretty important times going on right now when you start looking at cotton, soybean, and corn, peanuts, those kind of things. Looks like most reports are saying that there's not too much to worry about there, but in your opinion, Sean, as you take a look at that, what's your thoughts? Uh, there is still some uh, thing to worry about there. I mean, I wouldn't say it's uh, mission, mission critical, but I mean, you know, there's definitely some damage that can be done, but is it enough uh, with all the uh, other damage we've had to make a difference over the worries over the global economy, the demand, the deflation that we've been talking about? It, it could create a little bit of a, of a move higher, Casey, but I don't think uh, Georgia alone is going to be enough to uh, to move the dial or really change how people are perceiving the cotton market and future demand. So um, it, if it had happened a few weeks earlier, I think it would have been more impactful. But as it stands today, you know, certainly some damage, a little more off the top, but uh, you know, we were already dealing with a crop that was pretty much one of the worst crops the U.S. has ever had. So I'm not sure that really changes the dial too much. So, Right on. Okay. So as you're looking at at, at the overall damage perspective of, of what you see happening in Florida right now with the hurricane that's coming through, um, like you were talking about earlier, you were talking about Tampa is at pretty low level and the bay is at a, is a pretty shallow bay to start with. So there could be some pretty significant damage there. Yeah, Tampa just doesn't get hit. I mean, I think if you look back, I think the last time Tampa got hit was 137 years ago. So, you know, they don't normally get a direct hit. This is very unusual. Usually it'll go into the panhandle or, you know, it'll go into the southwest Florida. It's very, very unusual for the tracks to, to do what it's doing. But the problem is anyone that's been to Tampa knows, you know, that they have this huge, wide, shallow base uh, of a bay uh, and everything, the whole city is just ground floor. Um, you get any kind of a surge of five feet, 10 feet, 15 feet that are talking about the entire downtown Tampa is going to be underwater case. just completely underwater. So that, you know, it's just really, uh, you know, that's more than, okay, you know, there's some damage. Uh, the lights went out for a little while. I mean, that's a long-term rehabilitation issue you know that's going to take six to 12 months or more to to remedy downtown tampa so for those that are operating in tampa and in the surrounding areas it's going to be uh <clears throat> life's not going to be normal for a while it's it's really going to be a pretty catastrophic situation for the immediate coast and once it goes inland it's going to quickly weaken down i think you know category one or two real real quick and uh and then it's just a rain event, but the, the immediate coast there, it's it's gonna it could be on the verge of catastrophic, unfortunately. So yeah. Well, thoughts of approach folks there in Tampa. It looks like there's gonna be uh, a lot to deal with. Selective uh sort of evacuating a lot of Pinellas County right in that area, which is that, that general vicinity. Um so a lot of stuff headed that way. It'll be uh keep your eyes on that to see how things move forward there. So all right, so let's jump over and talk about China for a minute. The World Bank came out and slashed China's uh, economic growth forecast from their projection of five, well, actually the bank's prediction of 5% down to 2.8%, largely based around China's zero COVID policy. Um, uh, zero, yeah, zero COVID policy. Um, 
then China, you know, obviously is saying, no, you guys are wrong. We're going to be, we're going to be double that. We're going to be, you know, somewhere between five and 7%. So looking at that, Sean, I mean, makes a lot of sense with the rest of the world, what we're seeing happen in the rest of the world right now. I guess as you look at the, that kind of news coming out of China, what are your thoughts there? I mean, everyone knows they're in trouble. They've been in trouble for right. a long time. <clears throat> their real estate market's collapsing. Uh, their economy is collapsing because of this COVID policy. The drought, the severe drought they had in the southern, uh, you know, southern part of China, you know, ruined their hydropower. So they've had rolling blackouts because of the loss of hydropower, not and not having enough coal. You know, it's just it just you know, uh, there's just no way for them to have a, a good economic outcome. The first thing they have to do is they have to stop locking everybody down. Uh, that's the first thing they have to do. And, you know, weather, weather is weather. It comes and it goes. But, I mean, these rolling uh, you know, lockdowns really have to stop or else, um, you know, their economy is going to continue to struggle. And, of course, China is the one that they're the marginal buyer of everything. They're the biggest buyer of corn, of soybeans, of cotton. Go down the list. You know, dairy. You know, if they're going to continue to be in, uh, you know, in this economic malaise, the demand from China is going to continue to suffer, which means, you know, prices are going to have to reestablish a new price level with Chinese demand, you know, being offline for an indeterminate period of time. It won't last forever. But right now, it does not look like there's any end in sight. Now, of course, they have this big meeting here where Z is trying to get his third term. There's a lot of talk that once he gets it, all everything will change. You know, maybe it will, maybe it won't. I don't know what will happen other than uh, it'll be interesting to watch if there's any change in policy, uh, assuming he is given that third term, which I think he will. Uh, you know, does anything really change? Is that the call to action that now he will change a lot of his policies because now he's in and he doesn't have to worry about whatever he felt he had to worry about going into it. I don't know. But for right now, you know, China demand side problems continues to be um, a major concern for not only ag prices and commodity prices, just but for the overall global economy as a, as a whole. So. Yeah, it's an interesting situation to pay attention to. There's just a lot of moving parts there that, and you, of course, you don't know what's what's real and what's not. So that's the other other side of that too. So well, I think I, will, I, I, I think his new minister of communications is Pinocchio. So yeah, yeah, I would agree with you that, and pretty easy to tell when when they're lying. So yeah, um, when you're looking at. Uh, let's talk about corn a little bit here. So we're headed into corn harvest. Most places are uh, just getting started or have been going for about a week or so. So if you're looking at uh, a lot of that activity you see out there, obviously harvest weather is is going to be going to be great. There's not much issues out there as far as the weather goes. But the uh, the decline in, in corn is continuing to show up. So I guess Sean talked about that a little bit and what you see there. Yeah, I mean the market's already reacted to the to the, the crops, you know, smaller than than many thought. Um, obviously, the market will speculate on what the USDA is willing to say at the next report here. Uh, I think it's next week, and uh, but I kind of think we're getting pretty close to pricing in whatever the number is one sixty eight, one sixty nine, one seventy one. You know, pick a number. I think we're pretty much established 
what we need to price wise when we approach seven. Um, and now we just have to pay attention to the South American weather. You know, right now Brazil's getting fantastic weather. You know, Argentina is still, you know, not getting great weather. They're pretty dry. And um, but but Brazil's really the one that really matters, though. I mean, that's Brazil's good. Argentina can be bad and it's, it'll be fine, but you, Brazil cannot be bad. You know, it's one of those things. And so, so far they're getting a lot of rain. Uh, it's allowing planting to move forward in good condition. So I just kind of feel we're, we've reached a point of maximum pricing in of a lot of these bullish factors. And I think we're starting to price in some of these bearish factors, which we've been talking about, which is the tightening of liquidity, higher interest rates, slowing economies. I don't care what anybody says, Demand for corn is going to be lower than we think it than, than, than in the upcoming 12 months than it was in the last 12 months based upon the economic outlook. You know, we can argue how much lower, but whatever the demand is on the balance sheet right now, it's too high for soybeans, for corn, for cotton. And so the market's trying to determine how, how much lower does demand really have to be? How far is the, is the Federal Reserve going to go? Um, and the answer is we're still trying to figure that out, Casey. So I think the bigger issue right now, un until or unless weather in Brazil get, becomes an issue, is just following the economic data, following the macro picture, following you know those kind of factors. Because if, if this economic situation continues to, to remain gloomy, it's going to be pretty hard to get prices substantially higher than we've already seen without a pretty dramatic weather worry out of Brazil, which... If we did get something, it wouldn't be until December, January in, in, at the earliest that we would get it. So plenty of time for the markets to you know, sell first and ask questions later. And we're starting to see a lot of that happening um, you know, in a lot of different markets. As the markets now, it was all for, for months. It was, oh, my gosh, there's no supply. There's no supply. There's no supply. There's no production. Now everything here is demands hurt, demands low, demands shrinking, demands a problem. It's a big change in the focus of the market. And until the market stops worrying about demand or until supply gets hurt more than the market believes now from something new coming along, I think the trajectory into the end of the year is for a general lower trend in commodities and ag markets. Sure. Can you have a day that we bounce from time to time? Can a particular market go higher for unique circumstances? Sure. But as an overall trend case, I'm worried about lower prices into the end of the year. Um, unless there's a dramatic change of guard by what the Fed Reserve has you know, already said they're going to do, or, or China has a, an epiphany and they just reopened everything and they say, let's go. And we have to see something pretty dramatic to change that view uh, of a lower, lower prices heading into the end of the year. So, Right on. All right, so let's talk about, speaking of China, let's talk about uh, the pork uh, market, what we see happening there. So China released a, a fourth batch of, of Pork stocks ahead of their uh, week-long national holidays coming up here starts October first. Talk about that pork market a little bit. What you see happen there? Pork's a little bit of a different situation. I would say pork is somewhat economically, um, you know, it, the pork market in China. It's one of those must-have food items, especially as you go into the end of the year. I think China will will do whatever they have to do to secure the pork supply, whether the economy is bad, good, or indifferent. So I think that's one particular market that's probably not going to be terribly impacted by the economy in China. So we've seen the pork price skyrocket. 
Uh, we've seen the Chinese hog price skyrocket. Like as you said, they've been dumping these frozen uh, st uh, pork stocks onto the market at record levels to try to keep the price down. Um, so at some point, I don't think they have enough uh, to do that. They're going to have to come in and buy from elsewhere. And so there could be in the in the in the hog market here, Casey. There could be, you know, could be one of the few markets that has a bright spot going into the end of the year because I I do think the Chinese demand for pork is economically insensitive. And they're going to buy it no matter what. So I might look for the hog price and the pork situation to be, you know, maybe one of the few areas that you can actually see some good, um, you know, more bullish looking supply demand equation versus other markets that I think are going to struggle. Right on. All right. So finally, let's jump over and talk about what's happening in the cattle complex, when you look at what's happening there, um, you've seen a lot of sell-off um, in various markets. We've seen uh, the stock markets are wildly volatile, um, a lot of downward pressure since the uh, announcement of the Fed's rate changes, those kind of things, which should have a direct effect on at least uh, the uh, cold storage uh, report and those kind of things. So looking at uh, what's going on in the cattle market, Sean, what are your thoughts there? We have a lot of beef in the, in the short run. You know, our, our cold storage is full. Uh, we, you know, we just finished another huge round of her liquidation. We got plenty of supply in the, in the short run. Uh, and we have demand. I mean, I don't, you know, demand's going to be weakening for beef demand. There's just no question about it uh, with what what's going on. Um, so cattle prices are a little problematic for us, you know, for the next month or two. Uh, I just think we have an air pocket here in demand. We have too much supply. Um, and I don't see what's going to really change that. Now, once we get beyond that point, we then enter the period where the supply just completely dries up. Um, and whatever the demand is, it, the demand should be well in excess of the available animals that could come to the market through the packing houses. So I'm a little worried and I continue to believe that this correction we've been seeing in cattle has more legs to it. it you know, it has further to go at least into October, uh, maybe into November before we kind of trade this air pocket of demand. So uh, I would be a little worried about it. Uh, I, th I think prices are heading lower. And if I was a cattle producer, we've been recommending our cattle producers, you know, get some, get some cash sales made, get some hedges on to protect fourth quarter prices. After that, we're pretty constructive. So that's a little bit of a different thing because cattle, you know, the beef is still very much a domestic issue. You know, yes, Chinese demand for beef can be, you know, can help, but it's really still all about the U.S. And if the U.S. demand is going to falter and we have too much supply that needs to come to the market, says lower prices to me. So I'm a little worried about the near term, but I'm very excited about the intermediate term for what 23 looks like. I think we could be entering one of these, uh, you know, her rebuilding phases like we did in late 2013, 14, that uh, could set off a, a pretty exciting time for, for producers, but we just got to get through a, you know, a couple of difficult months, I think here, Casey, before we, before we get there. So. Right on. Well, good stuff as usual, Sean. Folks want to reach out to you and get more information about what it is you're doing at Hackett Financial. What's the best way to do that? Our website is Hackett, H-A-C-K-E-T-T, advisors.com. All kinds of information on there to let people know what we do and how we do it to see if we could be a value to your listeners. All right, man. Thanks for being on the podcast, Sean. It's always fun.
Thanks, Casey. Always a blast. And uh, keep up your good work. Good luck there in uh, in Little Rock. And just when you walk in, they just yell "Suey Pig." You know, it's like that real loud, and everyone's gonna love you. You're gonna be everyone's favorite. I promise you. Okay. All right. All right. So with that, I'm Casey Seymour with Moving Iron Podcast. You can find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Moving Iron LLC. You can also go to Moving Iron Podcast on LinkedIn. Uh, you can go to uh, the ever so cleverly named Moving Iron Podcast YouTube channel to see the video version of this. And you can also check me out on movingironllc.com and find everything Moving Iron related. 2023 Nash Moving Iron Summit is uh, scheduled for September 11th, 12th, and 13th in Nashville, Tennessee. That's been booked. i uh, still working through the agenda and what that'll look like. So look for more information on that as it draws closer here towards the end of the year. I'll have a lot more information up for it about those kind of things there. So with that, I'm Casey Simo with Sean Hackett. Let's move smart, folks. Out. Axon started out of a passion for keeping agriculture moving. Imagine having 100 years of tire and wheel knowledge in your back pocket the next time you sell a piece of ag equipment. To find more or become an Axon dealer, please visit axontire.com. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 for all your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. No matter how you buy your ag equipment, whether it's from a dealer, an auction, or a private party, AgDirect can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. TractorZoom has access to over $20 billion in heavy equipment sales data. TractorZoom's Iron Comps is the industry's trusted solution for transparent equipment values and auctionable pricing insights. This podcast is brought to you by Anvil AppWorks. The Dealer Connect CRMI app with integrated inventory management is an affordable Salesforce-based solution for your dealership. Create connected customer experience and transform how you work. Moving higher in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving higher time and time again. Through the years you'll find us here. Moving on.